Hello and welcome to the Fearless in Love podcast, the show that will help you transform your relationship by first transforming you. My name is Hannah and I'm a relationship anxiety coach and breathwork facilitator, but I've also come out of the other side of relationship anxiety myself. Now that I'm looking through a lens of clarity, I am here to help you experience deep love and connection, not only with your partner, but in every area of your beautiful life. Welcome back to the Fearless and Love podcast. I am going to blow your mind today because we're talking about attachment styles and I always knew that attachment styles were important in the context of relationships but whenever I would learn about them or study them I would feel really bad because I felt like a lot of people portray attachment styles in a way that's kind of disempowering and I would learn about I'm anxious and Alex is avoidant but then I would just feel a lot worse because I'm like, great, now I know that we have these major problems and I know why we have these issues. It stems from childhood, but like, I don't know how to solve them. I've also noticed that a lot of people demonize avoidant partners and I want to completely break the stigma. I actually posted a reel a couple weeks ago about how I am an anxious attachment and Alex has avoidant attachment and I think it was just talking about how to kind of bring the avoidant back and make them feel more comfortable and then a whole bunch of people in the comments were like avoidant people shouldn't be in relationships and you don't deserve to be with an avoidant and just kind of making it seem like avoidant attached people are these horrible people who are trying to be avoidant when in reality The anxious partner and the avoidant partner are both dealing with the same thing. They're both dealing with fear, but they're dealing with fear in two completely different ways. And so today, I'm going to talk about what to do if you are the anxious partner and you are with an avoidant partner. And if you're listening to this and you're more of the avoidant person, that's okay too. You'll still learn a lot. It's just that I have anxious attachment, so my expertise is helping anxiously attached people with their more avoidant partners. Okay, so when I started learning about these attachment styles, the thing that really stood out to me was the fact that each one is driven by fear, but it's a bit of a different fear, and this was so, so helpful to know. The anxious partner is driven by the fear or the belief, I am unlovable. And the avoidant partner is driven by the fear slash belief, I am a failure. Or other people see me as a failure. And wow, that was so true when I thought about it. Because in my relationship... Everything that I was doing and all of the anxiety that I was feeling was because I didn't trust that I was lovable or that Alex truly loved me. Even when I was worried that 
he wasn't a good enough partner, which is what relationship anxiety has us worry about. Deep down, it was really because I was worried that he didn't love me quite enough. And so that he wasn't showing up in a way that proved to me how much he loved me. Hopefully that makes sense. And then all of his more avoidant strategies made so much more sense too. Because whenever my relationship anxiety would come up, I would nitpick him and criticize him and nothing he ever did felt good enough to him. And so of course that would trigger a core fear of being a failure or of being seen as a failure. And so that's the reason that whenever we criticize our partners, especially if they're avoidant, they just shut down even more. They aren't seeing, oh, I need to be better for my partner. I'm really hurting them right now. I'm making them feel like they're not loved. They are seeing somebody putting them down in a way that makes them remember the way that they felt when they were kids, when they felt like they were a failure or they weren't good enough. It goes so deep, and I know I'm not going to be able to cover it in one podcast episode, of course, but I just want to share with you the main key things that I've learned that are like, wow, mic drop moment. Like, this really, really helps. Okay, before I get into it any further, I just want to clarify, because I know this is going to be a very common question. What kind of attachment style is relationship anxiety? So, my answer to this, what I have figured out is any of the attachment styles can experience relationship anxiety. Relationship anxiety is more of a protective strategy that we develop because of our attachment styles. So for example, I have anxious attachment. Relationship anxiety happens for me because I'm afraid that I'm not going to be loved and that I'm going to figure out that I'm unloved. And so to protect myself, I question a relationship constantly. I nitpick my partner. I focus on all of his flaws. Whereas somebody with avoidant attachment might feel afraid of getting close to somebody because they don't want to be a letdown or not be good enough or to have to experience their emotions. And so their protective strategy is to push that person away through relationship anxiety. So it's more of a coping mechanism is how I like to look at it. And then a lot of you are going to ask about the other one, which is disorganized attachment. And I've learned about it in the context of disorganized, but apparently it's very similar to what we call fearful avoidant. And essentially... This disorganized attachment is kind of just like an extreme version of the anxious attachment or the avoidant attachment. So a disorganized attachment person can be more on the anxious side of things or more on the avoidant side of things, but the main characteristic is that they have a deep distrust in other people and very overwhelming emotion. But for the simplicity of this episode, I'm going to focus on anxious attachment and avoidant attachment because disorganized people or I should say disorganized attached people 
probably either lean more towards one of the spectrums and so it'll still relate. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the anxious attachment so that you can learn a little bit more because I kind of dove right in and I'm realizing some of you might not even know the basics of attachment and that's totally okay. So the anxiously attached person, we feel our emotions very strongly to the point where we get overwhelmed with emotion. That is why anxiously attached people are the ones in the argument to break down crying or to start the fights or to get really, really outwardly jealous and protective. And a lot of this is actually driven by the fear of abandonment. And that's why the characteristic or the stereotype is usually like a really clingy, needy person that is associated with anxious attachment. So that could look like constantly needing texts all day long from your partner or needing to know where they are and who they're with at all times. That is the anxious. And the main behaviors I have written down here are controlling their environment because they think if I can just control my environment enough, I will feel safe. They protests a lot and so this is my main thing that I would do when I was really triggered is I would go on and on and on and repeat myself over and over and over about how upset I was and how wrong Alex was and everything that he did to hurt me because in my head it was like if only I can convince him that he's wrong then he'll understand and he'll change and everything will be okay and I'll feel safe again. Anxious partners also might be prone to fawning, which is like people-pleasing just to make sure that they are liked because God forbid somebody doesn't like them because then they might be abandoned. Criticizing their partner, trying to make them perfect. Caretaking, not because they want to show love through caretaking, but because if only I can make my partner feel really good and make him dinner every night and impress him, then he'll love me more. And then also blaming. On the other side of the stick, there are the avoidant attachments. And these people have a hard time accessing emotions in their body because their protective strategy isn't protesting and trying to get love, it's shutting down because feelings are too scary. And it's not that they're trying to do this consciously, it's just that when they were young, when they were a little kid, they learned that this was the safest thing to do because they were not getting their emotional needs met. And so when I think about it in that way, I have so much compassion for people that are avoidant because it's like they aren't emotionless and they aren't trying to shut down or pull away, just that they honestly don't have any other strategy. They have learned to shut out their emotions, which in the long run is not going to be good for them because eventually something is going to happen that will cause them to overflow and their emotions will come out. What you'll notice about your avoidant partner is that they might not even know that they have deeper feelings. I always notice with Alex, I would ask him, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? He'd be like, I'm fine. 
And I genuinely was like so jealous of him because I thought that he just cruised through life and everything was easy and everything was like a walk in the park for him. But he does have deeper emotions. He just doesn't have access to them in the way that I do. I'm anxious. I almost have like too much access to them. And so in that way, we are opposites and we can learn from each other. This is another reason that avoidant people seem so in their head. Like Alex is so rational and so in his head and so quick to go into problem solving mode. Whereas I'm so in my body and I talk about how I feel and my emotions and everything in my life is filtered through how I'm feeling. I just think it's like such an interesting thing how we show up in the world so differently. And so while I would try to feel better through protesting and being big and getting loud and all of those things I described earlier, Alex and people who are more avoidant seek comfort more through reason and logic and problem solving. They're also very quick to be defensive, to deflect, and to shut down. Because when you remember that core belief of I don't want to be seen as a failure, they're trying to protect themselves from that. So of course, when we go to them like you've done this wrong, you aren't good enough, I'm having relationship anxiety about you, here's a TikTok of something that another guy did for his girlfriend and you don't do anything like that for me, it's not going to inspire him to show up and to take action. It's going to shut him down. Because it's making him feel like a failure, which is his biggest fear, whether he consciously realizes that or not. Another thing that is very common is that avoidant partners say yes to everything and then don't follow through. And then this triggers the anxious partner because we're like, you lied. Like you said that you were going to do this thing and you didn't. And now I can't trust you. And so the avoidant person actually has to work on being brave enough to say no. Because the reason that they appease us and tell us that they will, I don't know, call us every night for an hour, for an example, and then they don't, is because maybe they deep down knew that that wasn't something that they were able to commit to. But saying no would make them feel like a failure in our eyes. So now that you know a little bit more about each style, the one thing that really, really helped me through learning about this and made me feel super empowered was the fact that the problem in the relationship is not the attachment styles themselves. The problem is the negative cycle that we get into because of these attachment styles. And so the negative cycle, it's different for everybody. Like the nitty gritty details of it will be different for you. And I recommend really getting clear on your exact pattern and cycle that you fall into. But usually it'll be something like you get upset by something your partner does or maybe you have relationship anxiety. And so you start protesting or criticizing him or blaming him. And then he shuts down and pulls away. And then you get upset because he's pulled away and you feel abandoned and that triggers your anxious attachment. So you get louder and you try harder and you push him more and then that causes him to shut down even more and then you push even harder and it's just a cycle that we get into that can be hard to break. 
But knowing that you are in this cycle is what is going to set you free from it because you can't break free from something until you know what it is. So for example, I had to get super clear on my negative cycle with Alex and I'll just be honest and open and tell you guys what it is. The main one that has been present in our relationship as of late is we are in long distance and I want him to call me. I need a certain amount of time with him on the phone to feel safe. If something happens and he gets super busy, which I understand, or he goes away or something comes up and he doesn't call me as much for like one or two days. And then that in the past made me feel really insecure and triggered my anxious attachment. And so then I would start getting upset with him over the phone saying, you don't call me enough. Why aren't you doing this? And then because I get upset with him, it triggers his avoidant attachment and he stops calling me as much. And so the more he stops calling me or is distant on the phone, the harder I push him. And soon, if it keeps going, it's happened so many times, our phone calls just become about how upset I am at him. And then he stops calling me until he is going to bed because he knows that I need a call every day, but he is pushing it off as far as possible because he's dreading these calls because they make him feel like a failure. So he calls me right before bed. And then I get upset at him for not calling me earlier. And then it just goes on and on and on. And I was stuck in that cycle until I learned about this attachment thing. And I was able to see it for what it really was. And that empowered me to take action to be the one that is going to break the cycle. Because the one thing that really stood out to me when I was learning about this was the fact that it takes two people for the cycle to continue on. Alex could stop being avoidant and that would break the cycle. Or I could stop showing up with my anxious behaviors and that would break the cycle. And so instead of waiting for him to do something and to change, I decided to take my power back and work on myself. To use this negative cycle that we were in as a vehicle for growth and it can be hard a main trait of the anxious attached partner one of their main difficulties is actually accepting that they are part of the problem because it's so tempting to just blame your partner and be like if you would just change if I can convince him to change if I can get him to learn about this anxious attachment stuff then maybe he will change and I'll feel better but the moment that change actually starts to happen is a moment that you take responsibility for your part in the dance because it takes two to tango. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to work on myself, not just for the relationship and not just for him, but for me because I don't like feeling this way. And so I worked on the main thing is learning to self-soothe so that I could notice the moment that I got triggered and instead of performing those behaviors that I listed before, like lashing out, protesting, criticizing, blaming, I was able to be with my emotions and calm myself down. And then I was able to go to him if I still needed to and communicate how I was feeling 
in a way that did not cause him to shut down. And it was so empowering. It took a while. Of course, it's going to take a while for you to learn this new strategy because you might have been spending your entire life relying on other people to make you feel better because you don't trust yourself to be able to handle your emotions on your own. But you can handle them. You just have to work up to it. Another thing that was so hard for me, and honestly, I'm still working on it. It's a work in progress, is when we were in the middle of fights, you know, sometimes when you're fighting and it's just getting worse and worse and worse, I had to learn to take space because that's what the avoidant person needs is time on their own to reflect so that they can come back to the conversation grounded. And I can't kid myself. I was not being a healthy contributor to the conversation when I was fired up with anxiety. It's very hard to have a constructive conversation when you're extremely anxious and afraid of being abandoned. And so we would take space during the argument and it would be such a hard thing for me. I don't know, I'm sure a lot of you can relate, but when you're in the middle of an argument and then you have to pause the argument, as an anxiously attached person, it feels like your world is shattering because your biggest fear is loss, is being abandoned. And our brains can convince us like something really bad is happening. If I don't reconnect with my partner ASAP, I'm going to lose him. When the truth is, the best thing for your relationship in that moment is actually to be apart. Not forever, but until both of you are able to calm down. So my main piece of advice, if you are trapped in that negative cycle right now, besides doing the work on you and learning to self-soothe and and doing that stuff that stops fights before they happen, I also recommend when you're in the middle of arguments to separate, but to make you feel a little bit safer doing that, always have a time that you're going to come back to the conversation. So that could look like deciding to take half an hour or two hours And then saying, okay, we'll meet back at 5 o'clock and talk about this again. That way, you have a little bit of time apart and it's scary and it might feel like a lot. But you also have that predictability knowing that there is a time set for you to come back together and figure this thing out. If you are in the Fearless in Love Club, we actually have a self-soothe audio for you to listen to during these arguments when you are taking that space and it has been such a saving grace for me what you're going to do is during the space that you're taking go to a different room put your headphones in sit down and listen to this audio it will teach you how to self-soothe and it'll make you feel so much less alone because I know that when you have that much anxiety For me anyways, the last thing I want is to be by myself with it. And so I created this self-soothe audio. Of course, it's for you guys, but also because it's something that I actually do need. And then if you do it over and over and over again with repetition, you'll gain more confidence in being able to self-soothe on your own without that audio. Another tip that I have for you is when you are feeling triggered, usually 
I can probably guess that your attention is always focused on your partner. What my partner did wrong, how he needs to change, when you don't have control over your partner. You can't force your partner to change. And what's actually going to help you a lot more is in that moment, when you catch yourself doing that, shift your focus back to you. What's going on in my body right now? What fears is this bringing up? What am I afraid of right now? Because underneath all of that reactive emotion where you're feeling angry or frustrated or anxious, there is a more vulnerable emotion there, like sadness or grief. And when you're able to tap into that emotion and show yourself that you can handle it is when there will be no more need for those protective emotions and those protective behaviors that are getting between you and your partner and triggering his attachment wounds. If you are the avoidant person and you're listening to this, your main job, your main priority is feeling into your emotions and learning to tap into them. This could be closing your eyes, breathing, and just noticing what's going on in my body right now. Is my throat feeling tight? Is my chest feeling heavy? And slowly working up to being in your body, even if it's just meditating with the energy that's present and getting super, super curious about what's going on instead of shutting down and going into your head and going into logic as a way of distracting from what's going on underneath. My favorite tool that you guys know, I will talk about it forever. I'm actually a breathwork practitioner. My favorite tool is breathwork for both of these attachment styles. It's amazing for anxious attachment because you're able to process some of that overwhelming emotion and release it while also showing yourself that you can handle the emotion. And then for the avoidant person, breathwork allows you to bring more of that emotion up to the surface so that you have access to it. And then of course, you're also able to release it. So I always recommend breathwork. It is the only thing that helps me when I am extremely triggered and when I'm extremely anxious. It is like a magic pill for me. I'll never stop loving breathwork. But overall, I would like you to know that if you are an anxious partner with an avoidant person or vice versa, it is possible to be together and to be happy and to heal. And you both have the power to help each other heal. But instead of trying to force the other person to change, please just take responsibility for your side of the street and work on your attachment fears and your wounds. You will feel so much better. It will benefit your partner as well. And you're going to show yourself that you have more in common than you think. You're both dealing with the same emotions, just in different ways. And please, never, ever, ever listen to advice on the internet that tells you that an anxious person cannot be with an avoidant person. Because honestly, I feel that most relationships are anxious avoidant relationships. And if that were to be true, then like so many people would have to break up. Like how many people on this planet are really secure, securely attached. 
it seems to me that more people are anxious or avoidant, especially men and women, because men a lot of the times are shown growing up that they can't have emotions and that it's not manly to feel their emotions. So, so many men are avoidant. And then women, on the other hand, have so much pressure to be perfect and to make other people happy, it seems like most women are anxious. And of course, these are blanket statements coming from me, but it's just so common. That's what I want you to take away from this. It is such a common dynamic. And just like I say relationship anxiety is a gift because you can use it to grow, this can be a gift as well. Well, I hope you guys feel enlightened. I hope that this opened your eyes helped you understand yourself better and helped you understand your partner better. Maybe you can have a conversation with them about it and let them know what you learned in a non-judgmental, non-combative way, just in more of a curious way. And like always, I will see you next week. I love you guys.